What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the Two Man Power Trip. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> ECW World Heavyweight Champion. The ECW. When you want to load down the professional wrestling, come right here to the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You'll get all the load down. <laughs> Well, guys, it's great to be on the, on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. It just You said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. but Chad and John, the two-man power trip. That's uh, that's an awesome uh, name for yourselves. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, John. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Scotty Riggs, and you're listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, man, what's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie, Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. What's going on, guys? This is a 7-foot, 330-pound DNA of TNA. That's right. My DNA is outer space. And you're listening to the two-man power trip of professional wrestling. You know, I, I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know 10 times more than I do. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today and powered by the return of Spartacon. Spartacon 2 takes place on Saturday, August 13th and Sunday, August 14th, 2016. Head on over to the Blue Crabs Baseball Stadium in Waldorf, Maryland for the only dedicated Spartacus fan convention in the United States, complete with live-action gladiator battles inside the arena, exclusive celebrity meet-and-greets with the stars of Spartacus, and so many more unique events. Head on over again to RedSerpents.com for more information on this event and please stay tuned a little bit later on in the show to find out how you can be a part of the return 
of Spartacon. And with that being said, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, Primetime, John Paz and John. What a gigantic show we have. Not only is it the return of Spartacon, but it is the two-man power trip of wrestling debut of a man we've known by the name of the Narcissist, a man we've known by the name of the total package, the man made in the USA, the one and only Lex Luger joins the two-man power trip of wrestling in one of those surreal moments where I just can't believe we had the opportunity to speak with such a legend, the stature of a Lex Luger, a guy who's not only one of the most polarizing people in the history of the business, he's somebody that always elicits some kind of emotion, whether you really love him or you really don't love him. But there's one thing that you can say about Lex Luger is that he's always been in the middle of some of the biggest historical things to ever happen in professional wrestling. And when you talk about Lex Luger, you got to think about the underrated factor part that not only was he a guy who could go in the ring with the right opponent, but again, he was always in the mix with some of the biggest names in the history of either the WCW, the NWA, the WWE, wherever he went, hell, even in Florida when he started out, wherever he went, he was always in the mix with the biggest names in the company. And I think, John, where we can start is that he may be the most underrated factor in the Monday Night War and really what started the war, the first shot to come during the Monday Night War came the second that Lex Luger stepped through the curtain and came after the big man in yellow, the one and only Hulk Hogan. But, John, it's surreal to talk flexi-lexi, as Hulk Hogan liked to call him, but Lex Luger joined us. And, wow, what an opportunity to talk about some of the biggest and most underrated guys in the history of professional wrestling. Yes, Chad, back here again at the two-man power trip of wrestling and back with one of our biggest and best episodes ever. Yes, the total package himself, Lex Luger joins the show, and this is one of our biggest episodes of all time. There's no doubt about that. One of the most famous and popular professional wrestlers ever. You know, we've had big-time guests before, huge guests. We've had, the obviously, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. We had Jesse the Body Ventura. We've had Mr. Wonderful Paul Ondorf. We've had them all. But this quite possibly could be our biggest get of all time in Mr. Luger. So just awesome to get him on. What an honor it was to get on the total package. And, you know, we're just talking before the show, and we always kind of talk about who's an underrated wrestler, who's, you know, who's underrated. And Lex Luger's always name seems to pop up. It's funny. Through the annals of time, everyone's like, oh, I don't know if he's that good of a worker or blah, blah, blah. No, go back and watch his matches. Go back and talk to, you know, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, who we've had on, or or Ric Flair, any of these guys. He is totally underrated in the ring. And the thing that's funny about him is he's always been a part, especially in the biggest parts of wrestling history, he's always been part of some of the biggest angles and some of the biggest parts of the history of the business. And one of the most truly underrated factors was he was such a key player in the Monday Night War. Think about what jump-started. Yes, Nitro was on the same night as Raw, so obviously Eric Bischoff played a huge role in jump-starting that. But what really set it off? Hogan's in the main event against Big Bubba, and who comes out? The total package, Lex Luger, who you thought worked for the WWF. So that was the real 
first firing shot in the Monday Night War that said, hey, WCW is here. And it was so underrated when you think about it. Everyone always talks about the Monday Night Wars. You got the Stings of the world and the Stone Cold Steve Austins and the Hollywood Hogan's and DX and the NWO and everything else. You kind of forget about Lex Luger. And he's just been so underrated. And he played such a huge factor in the Monday Night War and WCW beating WWF and Nitro beating Raw for 84 consecutive weeks and one of the biggest rating getters and one of the biggest pops and one of the most epic nights in the history of Monday Night Nitro was a uh, <coughs> excuse me August 4th 1997 the total package Lex Luger beats then NWO slash WCW World Heavyweight Champion Hollywood Hogan straight up. I mean, that didn't happen. Obviously, we talked to Lex in the interview about Hogan's got creative control. He decides who he wants to lose to, when he wants to lose to him, and he decided on that night that Lex Luger should be the WCW World Champion, and boy, did that place explode. One of the biggest pops I've ever heard. Awesome rating that night. I mean, it was they were just on a roll at that point. It was just shocking. Obviously, you know, in the weeks to come, I believe it was one week later, had the Road Wild pay-per-view, Luger ends up losing it. But that's one of those moments that will never, ever be forgotten. What a pop from the crowd. I mean, all the wrestlers getting in the ring. Luger up on the giant shoulders. I mean, just awesome, awesome stuff. I mean, what a night. And just goes to show you that Lex Luger was one of the key factors when WCW was dominating the ratings in the Monday Night Wars. It was almost like an out-of-body experience that night that Lex Luger beat Hulk Hogan for the WCW title because you didn't see it coming. And Lex will tell the story about how he didn't see it coming. And it's just one of those moments you look back. And it's really, it's still to this day, it can just get you so pumped up because that was such a heyday for Lex Luger. And it was such an, uh, just a build, such a great build of him coming back to WCW and really working his way through the ranks but when we talk about him being a polarizing guy, he's really, you know, somebody that has been looked upon as, um, you know, he loved the business because the business made him money and he had a million dollar look, but he wasn't really, you know, into professional wrestling. Well, you'll get a great take from Lex himself as to what he thinks about that moniker and to what that labeling really is in his point of view. But when you think about him being the narcissist, or as uh, Bobby Heenan liked to call him, the narcissist, and you think about the Lex Express, you think about the Four Horsemen, you think about the total package, the guy himself, Lex Luger, is one of the most interesting and forever talked about uh, heat seekers, or um, if you want to call them heat magnets, that there's ever been in professional wrestling. Hey, you know what? Lex is such a polarizing guy. It's just crazy throughout his career. You know, even lately he was called a heat seeker. It's just all the crazy things that have gone on. And it's just crazy to think, you know, this great looking guy, this muscle bound, just genetic freak of a man became such a polarizing character in the wrestling business. Just think about his wrestling career and everything that's gone on in his wrestling career from the Four Horsemen to becoming a face and feuding with the Four Horsemen, to him jumping ship and going to the WBF, which obviously was owned by Vince McMahon as well, and then jumping to the WWF, where he was a, the narcissist Lex Luger, then the Lex Express and the All-American gimmick, and then him becoming the huge, you know, quote-unquote turncoat and, and going back to WCW during the Monday Night Wars and, you know, kind of becoming the total package all over again in WCW. It's just everywhere he goes and every, you know, spot that he's had, 
it's always polarizing. Someone has something to say about it. Somebody's talking about it. He's just one of those guys, and it's just an amazing trait to have. It's just a test, you know, to him and his charisma and his ability and everything else, and just shows you that anything that he pretty much did throughout his career kind of just turned into gold or turned into people talking about it, turned into money. So it, you, you think about like, oh, uh, Sting was the big guy in WCW or Goldberg at one point, but you can't discount what Luger was to that company. Somewhat of an MVP for WCW. If you, you, know, you, you go back and you watch WCW thinking Sting is up in the rafters. He's not on every show. He's not always out there. You know, he didn't wrestle for a while. So it's like, who's going to be that MVP? Who's going to step up for WCW? And it was Lex Luger. He was getting possibly, he kind of disagreed, but I, I still think he did, possibly the biggest pops in WCW. Obviously, DDP got, got a lot, Goldberg got a lot, but Luger was always over with the crowd, and it was just unbelievable, especially when he was fighting against the NWO, and even when he was a, a heel, he was always one of the most hated guys, so whether you loved him or you hate him, you always remembered the total package, Lex Luger. And finally, we got to talk about Sting and Lex Luger as a team, as friends, as business partners, and the overall relationship between both men inside and outside of the ring. The skeptical Mark part of me wants to know why Sting always trusted Lex Luger, but then the conscious and uh, smart side of me really want to know how did the relationship uh, evolve? How did the relationship become such a great pairing? And what was it that really brought them to the next level that they took it from outside of the ring and created this long-time lasting friendship that they still, as Luger puts it, they still talk to this very day. The one thing that we definitely get into, and we get into it right off the bat, is Lex Luger's relationship with the Stinger, with Sting. And it's funny that you don't think of them outside of the wrestling business. If you look at how they're kind of were portrayed or, or what you think of them as characters inside the business, you kind of equate that to outside the business too sometimes, which is, can be a little foolish. But even Lou, uh, Lex Luger said in the interview, he didn't really think that him and Sting would be friends at, at first. He didn't think that they would hit it off, and he was you know, unsure. But then they became the best of friends. They're always together. You always hear about them through, you know, the many, many years. They've been friends for over 30 years. They kind of were just always buddies. And he was talking about how good of a friend he, Sting was to him. But also Sting has mentioned that he that Lex Luger has been such a good friend to him. So just love the pairing. And sometimes you look at them and you think, wow, this is an odd couple. You know, I don't think that these two would get along. Look at Sting. He's such a nice guy. Look at Lex. He's, uh, you know... He's a narcissist, so he wouldn't get along with, you know, the, the good old babyface thing. But best friends for all these years, and it's awesome on TV when they were able to do such good storylines. Obviously, in the early 90s, they had a great feud. Then, in the mid-90s, obviously, they came together and became a team. Luger was a heel tweener. Sting was the face. Why are these two together? They had the Ric, Ric Flair feud. Then, they, you know, Luger was with the Dungeon of Doom, and Jimmy Hart was just done so well. It's one of my favorite angles ever when they win the tag titles from the Harlem Heat and what goes on after that because Luger cheats to win. Sting didn't know they cheated to win. What's Luger doing? But that's his friend. And it's funny, you know, 
that's just one of those things you just never forget and you just absolutely love and it's one of the best you know written angles one of the best booked angles it's the sting is the baby face but why is he friends with this guy who's a heel it was done so perfectly and the crowd was so invested in it and they were so interested in it and the funny thing is and the funny thing about sting always is he always trusts everybody you know you know we were chatting I mean, i know we were laughing beforehand it's like ha ah, like why does he always trust luger but it's just one of those things that he's his friend and he's not going to uh, portray him and that's just the ultimate baby face that sting was and that's the ultimate kind of all-around player that Luger was, the true MVP. Great pairing with those two, and obviously great friendship and great relationship through the years. But another thing that we had to touch on the interview, it's the versatileness of Lex Luger. We always talk about, oh, he turned face, he turned heel. But every time he turned, it was believable and you were into it. He turned face, he feuded with flair he turned heel he feuds with sting you're into it you you, you hate you really hate him when he's a heel you really love him when he's a face so it goes to show you he's one of those true blue mvp guys that you always talk about that you need in your locker room if you're going to have a successful wrestling company you need a guy like the total package like luger and we said in the interview and he kind of disagreed because he's so humble but he might have been the true mvp of wcw If there's one thing that you take away from this interview, it is that we feel Lex Luger really was the unsung hero of that WCW success during the Monday Night War. And obviously, you heard that clip off the top. You heard the way the crowd went nuts, the way Tony Schiavone lost his mind when Lex Luger won the world title. That could be my favorite part of this interview, but the whole entire thing as a whole is completely unbelievable. And of course, we extend our greatest thanks to the one and only Total Package Lex Luger for coming on the show and definitely look forward to doing stuff with him as soon as we can down the road because there is nobody, nobody who is more of a natural for the wrestling business than the total package Lex Luger. And with all that being said, we want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by the return of Spartacon. That's right, Spartacon 2 is the biggest and most exciting Rebel conventions ever, complete with cosplay, artists, exhibits, celebrity guests, stuntmen, stunt coordinators, CrossFit trainers, and Legion instructors. You never know what you're going to find at the one and only Spartacus fan convention based in the United States. It's Spartacon 2, August 13th and 14th in Waldorf, Maryland. Head on over to RedSerpents.com for more information and a complete list of celebrities in attendance and to find out how you can get a discounted hotel rate. Again, it's Spartacon 2, August 13th and 14th in Waldorf, Maryland. So much more to come with Spartacon and the Rebels over at RedSerpents.com in the coming weeks. Now, John, with all that being said, hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and get him on over to the package, Lex Luger. And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at WrestlingPal and at Two Man Power Trip. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. We are releasing the latest and greatest clips. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're on there, please check out the feed for prior great episodes with the late... American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, Jesse the Body Ventura, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, the phenomenal A.J. Styles, the Demon, Glenn Kane Jacobs, the Lunatic Fringe, Dean Ambrose, Stan the Laird Hansen, and many, many more. 
Also, please check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. You can now check us out on Google Play, as well as Player FM and the i95 Sports Network. For any bookings, please hit up our email, bookings at tmptofwrestling.com. That is bookings at tmptofwrestling.com for any of your booking needs. Also, check out our store on ProWrestlingTees.com. It is new and it is awesome. So please check it out as ProWrestlingTees.com. Also, while you're there, check out the Kevin Thorne page as well as the Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff page and the coming soon, the Buff Bagwell page. So please check that out on ProWrestlingTees.com. And now, without any further ado, the two-time former WC TV champion, the former Crockett Cup 1988 winner, along with the Stinger, the former five-time WCW United States champion, he is a 1994 Royal Rumble winner, he is the former two-time WCW World Heavyweight Champion, he was known as the All-American, but he will be forever known as the Total Package. He is Lex Luger. Please enjoy. going to jump right into it. No beating around the bush here on the two-man powership of wrestling because there's been guys in professional wrestling business who are can't-miss prospects. Some guys have the it factor, but only one is the total package. And it's without a doubt an honor to introduce a two-time WCW World Heavyweight Champion, a five-time WCW United States Champion, a two-time WCW Television Champion, the one and only Total Package, Lex Luger. Thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. Wow, guys. That's a great intro. Very kind. Glad to be here. Oh, it's uh, it's so cool to have you on. It's, uh, it's definitely, like John said, it's an honor for us to talk to you. You're one of the guys who, when you make you know your list of, I got to talk to this guy, I got to talk to this, well, the Total Package, Lex Luger, is undoubtedly on the top of the list. One of the greatest names in the history of the business, one of the most polarizing guys in the history of the business. But I think where we want to start is your take on a good friend of yours, the one and only Stinger, and his WWE Hall of Fame induction from this past year. Did you ever think you'd see the Stinger and the WWE together as one big happy family? I wasn't sure, but I was extremely that he would. That was probably the only thing in such a stellar, amazing career spanning almost or literally three decades that he hadn't really been involved in was, was with them. So I felt it was really the, the cherry on the top of a, just an amazing career. So I was thrilled that he finished his career with the WWE. It's unbelievable, and of course, he actually had that injury in that final match that he had with Seth Rollins last September, which was highly unfortunate, especially with how much he had done and the build-up that there had been to bring in Sting. But when you put WCW back into the spotlight, when you put the uh, the archive footage that WWE has, the whole career of Lex Luger 
is uh, essentially under one roof with the WWE. You and Sting obviously just are such a unique pairing together, but how's your relationship now with the Stinger, and do you guys still keep in contact? Oh, definitely. It's uh, He has been an amazing, loyal, faithful friend that really I could never even put into words to me, and to this day our friendship is better and stronger than it's ever been. We uh, get to see each other every month or two in person, and we stay in touch uh, for, by texting mostly. We're both texters now uh, with the modern the beauty of modern technology, but we're out, we have just a great friendship and relationship. We're really just like, really like brothers. Oh, that's so awesome. John and I had the opportunity to uh, meet Sting over the weekend, and it was just that aura that he has. He carries the Stinger presence with him wherever he goes. But the two of you together, like I said, made a unique combination. What was it about the two of you that made you guys gel right off the bat? Um, we actually didn't gel right off the bat. I, I definitely pushed him away with my arrogance when we first met. But thankfully, he, he didn't get up. He didn't uh, give up on me. And we ended up, ironically, um, outside of the ring with our common interests, such as how to train and and work out. He taught me a lot. He came from the bodybuilding world. I came from football, so he helped me a lot with my training and how to eat uh, more towards the way the bodybuilders did, and it was very helpful in my career and helped maintain my conditioning on the road. And we uh, ended up uh, virtually spending all our time outside of the ring together as well due to those common interests and forged that truly brother brotherly type friendship. We even bought a house in the same neighborhood in Atlanta when we all moved to Atlanta when Turner bought us. So just uh, I think that in answer to your original question, part of, I don't know for sure, but part of that special relationship, I think, on camera, in wrestling, with us and the fans, I think was reflected through the prism of us being such good friends outside the ring. We almost couldn't contain that when we were on camera together. So kind of I think that's shown through and kind of made it extra special for the fans as well. Definitely. I mean, the chemistry with you guys was off the charts, and I can't help but think about you and Sting teaming up in WCW, and obviously Super Bowl 91 is almost the star match against the Steiner Brothers. What are your memories of that amazingly awesome match? Well, first of all, I don't know if I, that may be the only five-star match I was ever in in my career, and... <laughs> That was because the other three guys, mainly, I, I was just going along for the ride. We had, uh, we felt challenged because a lot, some of the veterans in the locker room uh, sensed an impending disaster when they saw that match in the cards. You had four relatively inexperienced guys who had had good careers so far, but they had been led by a lot of really experienced guys. And even experienced guys, it's a difficult challenge when all four of us were good guys slash baby faces. That's a tough match in a singles, let alone a tag match to perform. And Sting and the Steiner Brothers came to the idea, hey, instead of establish one team as the bad guys, the other as the good guys and waste time, why don't we just get in the ring and just go at it, throw our best moves at each other and see how the crowd likes that. And we did. And it was an incredible – it turned out incredible. It was really fun to be a part of. Crowd loved my, it. 
oh, they were insane. It was one of my favorite matches of all time. And it's funny, you know, years later, obviously you make your return to WCW, but I'll get to that in a second. But you and Sting in 95, 96, when you guys started putting your that team back together, you know, you guys went to beat the Harlem Heat, you guys were the tag champs. But that angle that you guys did where you're kind of a tweener but really a heel but with Jimmy Hart was one of, some of my favorite stuff. His thing is the ultimate good guy, and it's like, why is he friends with this guy who he can't trust? It, it was crazy. Did you enjoy doing that kind of stuff with Sting? Because I remember that angle so fondly. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with that. And really kind of re- summed up my career prior to that because people don't realize many times I got switched back and forth so much between heel and babyface because of injuries usually. And it was actually a compliment to me. It wasn't actually maybe the best for my career not to stay a long-term heel or babyface, but uh, the promoters thought it was a valuable tool that they could make me either a confident babyface or an arrogant heel and switch me back and forth without losing total credibility with the fans. And that was a, they looked at that as a behind the scenes as a real asset how they, and how they could utilize me. And that was kind of a summation of my career was there when I was like good guy, bad guy, even all at the same time. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, to your credit, it's just amazing that you were still able to be over. Because sometimes guys switch back and forth and the crowd just kind of loses interest. How were you able to just stay over? You know, either the fans hated you 100% or they loved you 100%. I can't take any of the credit for that. Uh, the fans are, I think, pick and make and maintain guys who are maybe generational type of stars. And really, no matter how much the promoters, even brilliant storylines and stuff, try to pre- uh, predict or predicate that and lay the groundwork. The fans really do. That's, I think, one of the things that makes professional wrestling, the, the business entertainment realm that it is global now in its scope and makes the fans themselves so loyal, dedicated, and special because really the fans end up in the long run picking the long-term generational stars because no matter how hard they try to either cram a guy down their throat as a good guy or make people hate them if they're the fans don't embrace that. And I think there's a lot of intangibles and things that we don't even know why that is. Um, some guys look like they're going to be great stars and have all the tools and never do achieve that. And some guys look like no way this guy's ever going to make it, but the, something about him, you called it, you nailed it, you guys, with the it factor, and they become huge stars. So it's pretty cool how the fans play such an enormous role in that. Yeah, they definitely do. They, you know, they make and break careers, you know, so they say. But there was something very interesting about you and, and those heel turns and maybe even shocking returns and, and stuff that you've been so synonymous with some of the biggest moments in the history of the business, and you can't help but forget the – or you can't help but remember the Nitro where you showed up in September of 95 and basically shocked the wrestling world on that first Nitro. Hogan fighting Big Bubba. You come out. Can you tell us the story about how that all came about when you made your shocking return to WCW? Not surprisingly, great question. Not surprisingly, behind the scenes, Sting actually arranged all that. I was having just a friend casual conversation with him on the phone when my contract had expired with WWE, but I had planned on staying with WWE, and we were trying to work out a long-term agreement for me to stay there, McMahon and I. And just in casual conversation, while I'm trying to, that's well, cool, you guys got that new Monday Night Show coming out to go up against Rostinger. And just in casual conversation, I admit, he goes, 
and he asked me how things were going in WWE as a friend. I go, it's going good. I go, I'm looking to sign a new deal with them. He goes, oh, is your contract coming up? And I just casually said, well, actually, I go, it is up. He goes, what do you mean it is up? I go, well, my contract expired in, uh, like, February or March. I go, well, we're trying to work out a long-term deal, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, he goes, so you're on their television, and you're working in their house shows, and you are not under contract? I go, no. He goes, so you could, like, literally come back here, like, tomorrow? I go, well, I'd have to check with a lawyer on that. But I go, as far as I know, yes. He was blown away. He mentioned Eric Bischoff, and Eric Bischoff at the time didn't feel like I was really the type of guy they wanted to bring in for whatever his reasons are. Uh, and, and his discussion with Sting wasn't that interested. Sting pressed the issue, and Eric ended up embracing the idea, and they both came up with the idea of bringing me on as, a, as like the first big surprise on the Monday show. Why not give it a shot? And Eric actually lowballed uh, what I guess you would say the offer for me because he really didn't want to bring me in, thinking I'd turn it down. And Sting goes, "Oh man, take the offer." He goes, "Your your salary will go up because you'll you'll be a huge hit again here, and they'll take care of that salary down the line." He goes, "Like." I go for it. So really, Sting was behind the scenes and all that, arranged all that, and here it came out, and the rest is history. Oh, history to say the least. It's uh, it's one of the most infamous segments in the history of television, let alone just wrestling television, because it was such a shock at the time, and the business being a billion times different back in 1995. Uh, nobody could have expected it, and I still think we scratch our head. That's why we uh, we love it so much. But just talking briefly about the WWF and your time there, or WWE as it is now, um, that time when you left, it was kind of um, a lull period for you where they really weren't doing too much in terms of the singles push. We had, uh, were actually about three weeks shy, if you can believe it, uh, the 23rd anniversary of the Yokozuna body slam on the Intrepid. And right before you left, it seemed like there wasn't much that they were doing with you. Had you kind of hit your peak with Vince in terms of what you thought he was going to do with you? Well, we'll never know, will we? Because I went back to WCW. I, if anybody <laughs> is great at recycling or reinventing characters, it's Vince McMahon. So if I had re-signed with them, who knows what would have happened with Lex Luger. I might have got repackaged as something totally different and maybe been a bigger star than I ever became Going back to WCW, I, I never lacked confidence at least, so who knows? Well, we'll never know. I'm thrilled with how things worked out going back to WCW, but all guys' careers sometimes, I, I feel like I had a great 15-year career and I always worked main events with main event guys. Um, so there are some, some periods where you're more heavily involved or utilized than others, and sometimes a little uh, period or restart button can be great for a career. So who knows? Yeah, and they definitely hit the restart button on you just a few months in. You came in as the narcissist after the uh, the WBF Bodybuilding uh, Federation kind of fell to the wayside and your wrestling contract was able to be turned into a full-blown contract for WWF. And you turned into the All-American Lex Luger. Like I said, we're a few weeks shy of the 23rd anniversary of the Body Slam on the Intrepid. What are your memories of that day, I mean, obviously, I know John and I were Jersey guys. We wish we were there. I don't know how we missed out on that. But just share some of your memories, if you can, about slamming the big man on the USS Intrepid. Wow, 23 years. It was a magical moment. Uh, the buildup was incredible. I thought Vince was was half crazy when he told the idea of, of me going from being a narcissist, looking at the mirrors with Bobby Hand, uh, to being like the big 
Yankee Doodle Dandy Patriotic Hero on July 4th on the USS Intrepid. It was like I was scratching my head, but it uh, turned out fantastic. It was just a, a very, very special moment that I, I couldn't have. The crowd went insane uh, when that happened, just the way Vince worked it all out. And I was, uh, it was a, a very, very special moment for myself and so many fans. Some who were either there or watching it on television. What a what a great moment as well. Definitely one of the highlights of my career for sure. <laughs> when you see that uh, that helicopter coming around, you know the uh, the beautiful uh, July day that it was. It's uh, it's really it's the thing. It's Vince McMahon's one of the greatest movie makers in the history, and you can't write a better script than that uh, that helicopter touching down on the Intrepid. But talk about, if you can, the Lex Express. Uh, again, you know, growing up in that era, we always wanted to see if the Lex Express was passing through, and you always heard, oh, you know, it was here or it was in this place, and you just missed it. And looking back, I mean, it was one thing. I wish I could have seen it up close, but how was riding the Lex Express through the summer of 93? Oh, man, it was – they gave me a huge send-off at the WGB office, Vince and the whole staff, and uh, it was – probably about six week long tour that we literally almost went to every part of the country. Um, and the crowds and the media attention and, uh, and all the fans I got to meet and autographs I got to sign. It was, uh, it was a great tour. Uh, Vince brought my, brought my family and uh, my wife and kids to hang out with me on the bus and they loved it. And it was really, really neat. Just, uh, once again, uh, as you can imagine, great, uh, great memory, great memories, a lot of fun. You know, speaking of awesome moments and big highlights, I'm a huge WWE fan. Always was, especially you know around the time of the NWO. I mean, you had the Crow Sting against the NWO. You had Hollywood Hogan, Sting, obviously probably the most popular you know babyface, if you will, in the you know the history of WCW. But in 1997, there was another guy who I always argue, and I know Chad always argues was possibly as popular as Sting in 96, and that's Lex Luger. He beats Hulk Hogan on Nitro on, I believe it was August 4th, 97, for the world title. We had an amazing, amazing Nitro. What a moment. The crowd was nuts. I mean, it was just, it was bonkers that night. But what are your fond memories of that epic night where you win the world title in WCW from Hogan on Nitro? Wow, definitely, once again, one of the other highlights, Mike, you guys are great at touching on them. Um, I was, it was really a shock for me because I didn't know until right before I went to the ring that I was going to be wow. a world champion. They didn't want anybody to know um, or the word to get out, even amongst the boys in the locker room. So Hogan and Eric brought me into the room, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. And the Nick Patrick, the referee, didn't know until virtually we were almost walking to the ring. So he goes, are you sure? <laughs> it was crazy. And, uh, and like you said, the crowd in Detroit that night, Nobody expected it yet. Uh, it's nice you say I was uh, almost at the level of singing popularity. I, I wouldn't say that, but um, I've gotten beat up and left laying so many times, and this thing came out of the ceiling to rescue me. I had, I think, a huge sympathy following at that point. Oh, <laughs> let, let's do something back at these guys. And it all kind of culminated. The timing of it was amazing, and everybody was shocked. There, almost, there was almost a delayed pop, as we call it in the business, a cr- meaning crowd reaction, to when they rang the bell, everybody was expecting, well, there's got to be a reversal or a or a DQ with the guys that ran down. Did, did he really win it? <laughs> did Lex really 
finally win the big one. <laughs> and, and the crowd, when the crowd realized, whenever all the baby faces filled the ring, that it really had happened live there in the building, they went nuts. It was incredible. It really was. So unpredictable, too, because if you look at it, especially at that point, Hogan didn't lose too much, and especially, you know, straight up, without any interference, you know, straight up losing. Was that kind of an honor that, you know, Hogan's like, you know what, I pick Luger. I will lose to Luger. Are you kidding me? I created control. He chose me. What an honor. He didn't have a kick out of his finish. Hmm. And he had hardly, he had never, uh, I think one other time on a Saturday night, special way back in his career, he lost in a non-title match. But people have told me he had never lost. He lost the pay-per-view to Warrior, but he had never lost like a title match live on on national TV ever in his career. I mean, you guys Great. did the research on that, but it, it was pretty. Oh yeah, it was pretty shocking and spectacular. Nonetheless, nonetheless, irregardless of that. Yes, definitely. It was it's very rare sights. I mean, I, I'll definitely I'm gonna have to you know find the exact number. It wasn't many. I know you can definitely count it on one hand, you know, maybe even yeah. maybe even less than that, how many guys. So awesome, awesome stuff. Because, so. I mean, Holster had creative control. I, I saw him in the room sometimes. So they had things, something planned out, and he could just say, well, that's, that's a nice nice uh, plan you laid out, but that doesn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd see everybody running out of the room scrambling to come up with plan B. <laughs> Well, as we uh, as we start to wind it down here, I mean, there's been so many amazing moments in your career. I mean, obviously, the total package has had so many great matches. Obviously, in WCW, the ratings were through the roof. You, you know, the NWO was there. You're there with Sting. I mean, the WWF stuff, there's so many great memories. But do you have some favorite matches that stick out? Maybe even uh, your early days when you were feuding with Dusty Rhodes and, and Ric Flair. Does any um, things stick out as some of your favorite matches? Well, just the whole... For after my rookie year in wrestling to be able to get with the fabled four horsemen, that that whole run with and against them was, I think, when some of their prime years, and just to be associated with that group and Arn and Tully and Rick and JJ and Barry Windham and all those guys, just premier talent in the business was a a real highlight. That there were so many great matches I was involved with them from war games was a that first war games in the Omni in Atlanta. I was with the four horsemen and we were against uh, the road warriors and dusty and oh, just uh, it was the d- first time in the double cage and the first time Sting jumped from, and the roof was kind of low in that cage. He, he leaped from one ring into the next ring and did a cross body on like two guys. It was the crowd that night in the Omni Atlanta was so pumped energized for almost an hour that it was it was I mean both us as competitors and the crowd was so drained afterwards it was that was an amazing moment of the many in that era and then of course we already talked about the highlights with the Rex Express and the Intrepid and and just being involved in not just the world title match with Hogan but involved and in, I think in my 15 year career span Never, I never saw wrestling at such a fever pitch, both TV ratings-wise and fan interest as it was in the Monday Night Wars. It was uh, just a real honor and privilege looking back to be, to be able to be a part of that and take part in that and 
to this day, fans just walk up all the time and go, man, the late 90s and the NWO, uh, it's, uh, it just sort of was a great time to be a wrestler, for sure. We're never going to get those moments back because that's one of the most popular points in wrestling history. And obviously, you know, still look back. The WWE Network is doing all the stuff on the Monday Night War. So just great stuff. But, you know, you've had so many great opponents and there's so many different guys. But I just remember you and Ricky Steamboat and Steamboat saying how underrated he thought you were. And you're one of the most underrated guys. And then I think of a guy like Stan Hansen and even you guys were able to have great matches. How were you able to mesh with, you know, with all these different guys with your, with your skill set? Because, you know, you're having a good match with Steamboat, completely different than having a good match with a guy like Stan Hansen. Well, both great workers in their own right. Stan Hansen was a roughhouser, and he's one of the best ever at that, well, internationally in Japan, everywhere. So he taught me a lot about having to match that type of match. And Ricky's a technical and, and logistical I mean, one of the best who ever graced the ring. And just uh, to work with him, he took me aside for, we could work in longer programs back there together. And he took me for six months and, and taught me, he called the whole match and then he let me call part of it. And then he let me call the majority of it. And our final pay-per-view together, he came to get a pay-per-view and go, Lex, you're, you're going to call the whole match tonight. I go, I'm going to call the whole match, Ricky? He goes, yeah, I got the worst case of butterflies. Ricky Steamboat's going to let me call the whole match in a big pay-per-view in Baltimore. I was so nervous, and I was doing my best to fly around the ring. I took a slam off the top, which I had never really done before. I copied that from Flair. I wanted to give him the greatest comeback I was, I was ever capable of, of doing because Ricky Steamboat let me call the whole match, including his comeback at the end. So he was just a joy to work with. He's a great teacher, which he continues to this day. He loves going to the WWE Performance Center with this next generation of new stars and working with them. There's not too many guys better than Ricky Steamboat. I can vouch for that. He is definitely one of the all-time greats, one of the greatest workers of all time. But, you know, one just question I've always was very curious about, and, you know, you always read stuff, you never know the actual straight answer. Where did the name Lex Luger come from? Like, you know, how did you become the total package Lex Luger? Is that a brainchild of you? Um, I don't know if I was the brainchild. It actually kind of happened right before I walked out of my first television appearance on Championship Wrestling in Florida. They go, hey, what, what's your name? What do we call you, kid? And I was like, I, I thought they'd have a name. I go, I don't have one other than my legal name, which Lawrence Foley. <laughs> well, we're not going to call you that. Um, so they go, um, they kept on trying to bat around the name. I was going out in a few minutes on my first TV appearance, standing behind Rick Root and Percival Pringle. And they go, take your shirt off and stand behind him and don't say a word, but we want to, in case it comes up, uh, want a name for you and where you're from. So in a matter of about a minute, I had thought about names back then. Uh, before I was training with Hiro Matsuda to become a wrestler. I thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool to have a neat name? So I thought of a name, Lex Luger. Lex being derived from uh, a German automatic weapon, um, a uh, Luger, I mean, I'm not Lex, I mean, Luger's last name is a German automatic weapon. And um, Lex, I was a huge, and still am Superman. I love the, the whole Superman uh, deal and all that goes with that. So, and Lex Luther, I thought I'd be a heel when I first started out. And so I thought Lex was a good first name to go with Luger. So um, I, I, I was standing there and I, I threw kind of said, well, I've got a name that kind of looked at me like, Wahoo McDaniels and and uh, 
Blackjack Mulligan were in charge, and they looked at me. <laughs> they kind of laughed at each other. They go, what, what name you got, kid? I go, uh, Lex Luger. I said, Lex for a German, uh, I mean, Superman and Luger from uh, German Out of America. Because Magnum was that, P.I. was that big Tom Selleck show back then in the mid-'80s. So yep, right. all that to say, they loved it. They go, wow, they look at each other like, that's pretty good. Well, let's go with that for now. And they go, where are you from? I go, Buffalo, where I'm sitting right now. <laughs> and they, go, <laughs> they look at you, well, you can't be from Buffalo. And Blackjack goes, and Wahoo looked at Blackjack and goes, what do you think? Uh, I think Blackjack wanted me to be from um, Detroit. And Wahoo wanted me from Chicago. And so in a period of all that, Lex Luger in Chicago became my name and where I'm from. Uh, as I was walking out to be on camera for the first time. Hmm. Wow! And Superman's yeah. from Superman or Metropolis, Illinois. So that uh, that works out great. Now, Lex, before we let you go, and I know you got to run, why don't you just share with the fans just very briefly what you're up to now? Your book came out a few years back and gave us great insight as to what's been going on in your life. But please, just before we wrap up, share with the fans where they can get a hold of you and what you've been going, uh, what you got going on these days. Well, I do a little bit of social media nowadays. That ask. Genuine Lex Luger. I get on there and tweet once in a while. I, I have some fun with that. They want to uh, stay in touch with kind of where I'm at, what I do now. Um, I work with a lot of nonprofits now. I'm semi-retired, but uh, I work with a lot of nonprofits now and uh, mainly faith-based organizations. I love doing that. Um, stay busy with that. I'm, um, I, the recent passing of my dad, I'm spending a lot of time in Buffalo just kind of loving on my mom. They were married for 64 years, an epic love affair. and We're having a blast hanging out together and um, just loving life and, uh, and uh, seeing what I can do to, to honor, honor God and, and uh, serve others here in my community, currently Buffalo, and uh, just uh, having a good time. Well, that's fantastic, and with the two-man power trip of wrestling, we uh, we hope to be doing a lot more with you uh, in the very, very near future, and it's been our absolute pleasure to speak with the one and only Total Package, Lex Luger, and thank you so much for coming on. Guys, thanks for having me on the Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.